Welcome to Inside Video. I'm Ross Brand. And I'm Michael Kinney. And we're here to talk every week about the latest and greatest in online video. What do you think is going to happen if we return to normal? Will we return to normal? Will people continue using video in this fashion now that the the door has been broken open, so to speak? I'm not sure, but I'll tell you something interesting. We talk about how things have changed. So right. my daughters both are, they take dance. They're competitive dancers. So no more dance rehearsals. Right. So I've had to create or put together a virtual dance studio in our rec room. So what, what's happening is now the dance teachers are using Zoom to teach their dances. So I've had mm -hmm. to set up a webcam in a wide angle inside uh, in the rec room. I'm using the TV as the monitor. We have a big screen TV. And I put, I've got a, um, a Mac Mini that I connected to the, comp to, the, to the monitor. And they're going through Zoom. So it's quite remarkable to see my daughters practicing dance and they can see all the other, all the other dancers in Zoom and their teacher. And I've actually helped them a little bit in terms of getting it up and running, the teachers, in terms of how to be able to play audio through Zoom, because obviously you need music for the dancing. And it's quite, it's quite interesting how quickly everyone kind of adjusted to it. I mean, it, it was a bit, you know, at first, the first day or two was a little rough. But now it's, it's, it's remarkable. And for example, my daughter now, today, is going to be going to a virtual birthday party hmm. over Zoom. <laughs> so... <laughs> It's, I think because of the, just the ubiquity of the tools and of video that people have started to adjust to it. Now, when this is done, I'm not sure. I think a lot of it will go back to uh, what it was before. But what's interesting to me, Ross, I want to ask you, let's talk about live streaming video hmm. versus pre-recorded video and in this time right now what do you think is more popular live streaming or the the sort of on-demand video i think they're both very popular right now there is a lot of demand for video whether it's on demand or live uh just because we have to entertain ourselves in addition to communicate so whether you're using the video a, a live streaming or streaming video app to call your your relatives, whether you're uh, putting content out live, because I think there's something about it that draws people in. It gives them something in the moment to go to social media and say, what's going on? Ah, this is live. I'll check this out for a little bit. But also people are watching movies and they're watching pre-recorded content. Some people are using this time to watch how-to videos and maybe up their skills in some area. And that, that's YouTube's forte for a lot of people. So I think there's a, there's a good mix of, uh, of both going on right now and a lot of demand on the Internet for uh, video streaming of both kinds, both the live and the recorded. What What do you think uh, as right now? Well, it's interesting, you know. I, I still believe that live video is still appointment television. Mm. You know, you have to make yourself available to watch it. And now people are obviously more available 
to watch. And I'm interested to see if if live video viewing has gone up or people are still, you know, they want to watch, you know, what they want to watch when they want want to watch it, meaning pre-recorded stuff. Uh, I'm, it's interesting to see uh, how how that goes. I've always fascinated about, I love live video. I do too. But, you know, I wonder from a viewer's perspective, um, if, in terms of convenience and having to be there, and having to pay attention and watch if there's still friction even now with that as opposed to on-demand video where you just have a moment you can look at what you want to watch you can you know save time for later to watch something so i'm I'm interested i guess my point is now that we're kind of all stuck here at home for a while is is live streaming has live streaming video gone way up versus pre-recorded streamed video and i should make that distinction because we talk about streaming pretty much all video is streaming unless you download the whole file and start watching it right right. but we have live streamed video and then we have video on demand which is pre-recorded video that's streamed just want to make that distinction yeah so with live streaming i think there's a couple things to look at one is that the viewing of live streaming is definitely up uh, I saw a report about Facebook that it's up by 50% since uh, people started working from home and self-quarantining and social distancing. Social distancing, I believe, is the term most people use for the state. It's what's going on right now. Um, I I think is, is that 50% viewing increased by more people watching and the same people continuing to create live streaming content and maybe create more of it? Or are there a lot of first-time and new live streamers or people who may have experience with video or podcasting who are saying, this is a time to get on video and let people see me and let people interact with me because we don't have that interaction in our daily lives to the same extent that we normally would. Now may be a time where people are thinking, okay, let me give my podcast or my video, my YouTube audience a chance to actually ask me questions. And, you know, I see people jumping on and saying, hey, here's an half an, a half an hour of free consulting. Ask me anything about my business. And, you know, if they don't have a lot of questions, they may start introducing how they do certain things. There are people who are actually just live streaming their work. Like, hey, I'm going to be editing videos this afternoon. I'm going to uh, put a camera on my computer and, you know, show my screen. And here's how I here's how I do it. Yeah, and yeah, there's a tons, tons of content. And like you said, I wonder what's going to happen when this, you know, this ends. I've always thought the challenge, though, with live streaming is discovery. Mm-hmm. And I think with live streaming, you really need to promote your live stream, even, even I think in this time when people are looking for content, now there's so much more content to choose from. Right. So I'm thinking actually it's probably more challenging to stand out now. I mean, it's easy to get started and there's a demand for it, but then there, the inverse is because there's so much demand and so many people, more people are getting out there with it, with live streaming, uh, now you it's probably more challenging 
to try right. and stand out. So you really need to be promoting your live stream. What do you think about that? Yeah, you, you I, I've fair? always I've always thought that if you're starting out live streaming, it's best to create a, a name for your show, even if it's your name live or your name today or your name now. But whatever it is, create a name for the show and promote the show and and have it a specific time and a specific day that you go live and drill that home in everything. You know, every promo that you do should be, you know, every Monday night at 7 p.m. Eastern, join us for dot, dot, dot. Uh, and, and say it at the start of the show. Say it at the end of the show. Remind people during the live stream, hey, you're watching this. We're here every Monday night at 7 p.m. Eastern. And really make it to where it can maybe become part of people's schedule to where they know they can expect if they go to Facebook during that time. Oh, yeah, this person's on at that time. I'll go check it out. I enjoyed it last week. Then over time, but this is not a process that takes days or weeks. This is a process that probably takes many months to a couple of years you will build an audience that enjoys watching you go live, that wants to interact with you, that wants to see your content, and then you don't have to do quite as much in the promotion area or keep the same type of schedule because they will be opted into notifications, they will be ready to jump on when you go live. You'll have also probably built up your Facebook page or wherever you go live to where a lot more people have opted into following you. And then those folks will get, some of those folks at least, will get notified and they'll jump on. But as we know, organic reach on Facebook is still very tough. So uh, if you're doing something that you really want to get some eyeballs on, you really want to make an impact with, I think even if you've been doing this for a long time and you have a big audience, it can hurt and it's probably going to help if you do some pre-promotion, you do some promoting after the fact to drive people to watch the replay, you share clips. After all, there's still a branding opportunity amongst people who see what you're doing to promote, even if they don't actually come and watch the show. They may get interested to watch it another time, or they may just become aware of what your product or service is or what you're about, and that may be enough to where when they need what it is that you have to offer, they remember it from, from your promo. I mean, probably far more people watch the replay or see my social media posts about a, a show that I'm doing than, than actually sit down and watch a major segment of the show, but that's right. okay. That's okay. It's still doing the job, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's interesting. You bring up an interesting point because replay value. Yeah. I think that's really key when it comes to live streaming, even beyond this situation that we're in right now. Um, and, and, and from, from a creator's point of view, I'm always thinking about that. I'm always thinking about replay value for my audience and for, you know, for my platforms. Be I'm not a big fan of disposable <laughs> video, right? You make it and it's gone and all that effort and it's gone. Or the content is so so niche, so insider, mm. lacks context that when someone comes to watch it in the replay, they have no idea what you're talking about. Right. And I think the people who are excelling like you at live streaming 
have that replay value along with the promotion. So you're, you're really, you're, you're doing double, double, double time with the work, right? You're promoting the live experience, but even if people don't make it to the live experience, they're going to the replay. So there's still value. And I think that's really important to think about when you're approaching your live streaming content. Yeah, I, I agree a hundred percent because everybody who watches the everybody who joins a live stream joins at a different point. So they're joining when you're probably already into the heart of your show. But everybody on the replay starts at the beginning. So if you take too long to get into your content, if you're waiting around, if you're doing nothing but shout outs and you don't trim that part off <laughs> for the replay, if the uh, platform you're streaming to enables you to do that, then you're basically disrespecting the replay audience because you're saying to them, you're not as important. This is was a show for the people who were here live. But if you get into it and you treat it as it's a show for everybody who views it, whether they view it live or on replay, you approach it much more professionally and with a more of a sense of urgency at the start of your live stream because that first guest or that first segment that you do will be the segment that everybody who watches the replay watches. And if you do that and the promotion right, I think you should easily have three to four times the number of people watching the replay than actually watch it live. Have you noticed uh, during this time, in terms of your live streaming, because I know you do a lot of live streaming, have you noticed a change? Have you noticed a bump in terms of viewership, uh, both for the live experience and for the replay? I'm kind of niche and I go to a certain community and I talk about certain product and I, I am very focused on, on that. And that community has been super supportive. So in that sense, um, that there's consistency, but there are some extra viewers showing up and extra people who are interested in, in learning about something new customers, so to speak for the product that I, I am working with that are, there because, hey, now we have to really think about this. This isn't entertainment for me. This is like, I'm actually thinking I need the service and I need to learn. I actually want to hear what's going on with your product because uh, it may be the solution to what we need for our business. Right. So it's it's very much, um, th there's more utility in your content than necessarily entertainment value, which is, I mean, is it's good because people are getting value in terms of they want to take the value you give them and use that value somewhere else in their business, which is good. And I, my point of view is on that because my, my YouTube channel is all utility hmm. is you get great um, longevity with that kind of content. That's brings me back right. to the whole thing about replay value. And when you're doing live streams, <laughs> If we look at this stage where we're at now, where we're, you know, basically all kind of locked down, <laughs> if you will. Right. If you were, this is, this is a great time to start hmm. a video, uh, you know, a, a video venture, whether it's live streaming or on demand, because you have hungry audience out there. But from what I understand from what you're saying, all those same rules still apply in terms of consistency in terms of delivering the content promotion. And when this is over, it'll be interesting to see 
how many people sort of, I mean, obviously if you're using Zoom for business and your work, you're going to get back to work. But if you've started video for, you know, just to start online video to perhaps make a business out of it, it'll be mm -hmm. interesting to see how many people, how many creators stick around when this is done, um, when the numbers start to drop. And they will start to drop mm -hmm. because people will be going back to their quote-unquote normal lives. Well, let's go back to the example that you opened with when you talked about putting together a virtual dance studio for your daughters. Now, that business that's running the dance lessons or the, da the in-person dance class will certainly go back to having in-person dance classes. But they may see a new opportunity now. Hey, we can also put on a virtual class, which can be attended by people who've moved out of the area and used to like what we do, but now they're not able to get here. Maybe there are children who don't have transportation to get to the class, but would love to take it from home. And then they can open themselves up to customers all over the world who they may reach online through social media and other online marketing and outreach efforts. And they may find that they have whole new streams of revenue coming in by doing virtual and, and teaching virtually and, and using a lot of the type of things that you put into your how-to videos when you create, where you're giving step-by-step -step instructions. You don't have to be sitting there next to the person for them to learn how to do video from your YouTube videos. Well, even with dance and, 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 and different types of arts, it's the same thing. While there is an advantage to being in person, there's also an advantage to getting the best information no matter how you get it and having the best coaching no matter how it comes through. So those who are good at what they do should, should say, okay, this isn't just a temporary solution. How do we integrate this as a way to expand our offerings and, and reach well beyond what we can reach in person with our, yeah, no, our offerings? That's a, that's a great point. That's a great point. I can even see doing like a free trial of the dance classes right. virtually. Hey, you know, check it out. See if you're interested um, in our style, in our environment in our teaching style. And then if you are come to the studio and, you know, sign up for in person, I can definitely see that or for, or for people who can't make a rehearsal for some reason, you know, some circumstance, you could do it remotely. How should people, as you, you've been talking about it, how should people up their game in live streaming now? I mean, we're, we, a lot of people who come on now, we've kind of had this for a few weeks. Right. And I think people, even whether you're going to stick with it or not, in terms of creating a better experience for the viewer, people are going to have to start up in their game. How do you think they should start doing that? So I would look at it as uh, see where you are now. So if you're brand new, you're using the internal mic on your computer, you're using your computer's internal webcam. And that may be fine for your Skype or your Zoom call with your boss or your colleagues. But you know what would be even better for that? To get an external webcam. To get some type of better audio, whether it's plugging in your earbuds or your earpods 
or it's getting a, an entry-level dynamic USB mic that you plug into your computer and an inexpensive little boom arm to put it on so you can push it away from you when you're not working and so that it doesn't pick up the vibrations and the sounds when you're typing on your keyboard. You're going to up your professionalism so much. I mean, my my I kind of built what I do with live streaming off of going live with the built-in camera on my computer and a USB microphone. But that was also 2015 to 2017, where most people didn't know how to do this at all, and almost none of them came from any type of broadcasting background. And because I'm primarily doing talk to people who are looking in, but they're listening while they're working and things like that. Now you have so many people have the basics that if you step up a level and you get that external webcam and you have a microphone, even, you know, an entry level USB microphone, uh, we can certainly recommend them if people are interested, but that's those two things alone will so increase the quality of what you're doing that you will stand out as more professional than other folks will. You'll stand out as somebody who's more serious about this type of communication, and you'll be better ever able to deliver content about your product or service or industry, thought leadership content, any of that type of content that you want to create for social media. You now have the tools to get in the game. Right. And I think this is more exactly great points. And what I, try to emphasize to people is don't look at video or online video as television mm. or film because people when they say video they think oh i have to be a, a tv star and i have to be you know or I have to be a, a news anchor and it's not about that video is a medium just mm. like print is a medium just like audio is a medium and and what's important is that your content makes sense to people to your audience and in terms of the quality, as you say, upping your game, um, creating better quality with better equipment and tools. But always remember what makes professional quality or broadcast quality is not necessarily the tools. It's really about being having a good message and have everything else be as, as you know, not distracting. Right. So have your video clear, sharp. You don't have to have, you know, a 10 point lighting system and all, you know, all these lights, as long as you're in focus and people can see your face and it's not distracting. And same with audio. Audio is probably bigger, hmm. a bigger issue because people put up with so-so video. They won't put up with bad audio. They just, that's just a turn off. So yes, invest in a decent quality microphone, but you don't need an expensive microphone and you no. can get a decent quality microphone for under a hundred dollars. And you can just plug it into your computer and have great sound. Yeah. So concentrate on that, on making sure things aren't distracting and that your message is clear and strong. Yeah. I think I, I've always said like audio is the most important part of your live video. And that's true as long as like Michael was saying, your, your audio isn't, your video isn't a distraction. Because if your video is a distraction, if it's so bad that it's like, look at how bad that video is going through the viewer's mind, now you've got a problem. But assuming your video is acceptable quality, the biggest differentiator is if you can have good audio, 
people are there for what you have to say more so than the visual, other than the visual draws their eye in and can be a differentiator, but it's ultimately what you're communicating, what value they can get from what you have to say, whether it's a laugh that they need or whether it's information they need to do better at something that they're they're working on or want to accomplish. For people who are doing online video, people who are creating, they have active YouTube channels and they're creating video they're they're doing live streaming and maybe they're they have a show that's sponsored or maybe they're going out and they're working gigs they're they're doing video they're going and shooting youtube videos for a business and they're sort of the production company that comes in and uh, does does the shooting and the editing and and all that what does this mean for them how do they need to adapt to what's going on? Are there opportunities? Are there challenges? What would you think should be the perspective of somebody who's uh, either very active in creating content or is actually monetizing that content in some way, either directly or uh, through a, a business? Well, I think the important thing, as always, even beyond the period we're in right now, is consistency and consistency of quality. You know, the, the I learned working in broadcasting, what makes something professional or what makes a professional in terms of a creator, that is consistency and quality, meaning the, the, the quality level from one project to the next is consistent to the point where it becomes the brand of mm. the creator. And this is an opportunity to really work on that consistency and quality. And even though there's more uh, content out there, concentrating on your consistency and quality will actually make you stand out more among all the other content that's out there. So really, this is an opportunity to really tune up your game in terms of being a creator. And as well, the business opportunity of teaching others, because mm -hmm. there are other people coming online who want to create video, and they're looking for ways to make better video. So there's an opportunity for you as a creator, as an experienced creator, to perhaps monetize your expertise to help other people create good quality video. So I think those are kind of really two opportunities, you know, your own personal or professional development as a creator, but also helping others because there's a lot of people out there now who are looking for ways to, uh, to create better video and, from my, my point of view, in terms of my YouTube channel, the majority of my audience are people who, they don't want to be video professionals. Right. They just want to be able to use video in their business or venture. They don't, they don't, they don't care about all the technical intricacies and the minutia of the equipment and the software. They just want to know, hey, Mike, how can I make, you know, I've got to do this lecture for my class now. Right. I'm stuck. How can I make it so it's clear, it looks good, and people get the information? Yeah. And so that's sort of how I approach things. And there's a lot of people out there right now who have that same mindset. So as an experienced creator, there's an opportunity through live streaming to or through video on demand to start teaching people that stuff and building up your brand as a teacher, as an instructor, as a helper that you can then monetize beyond this period. 
Yeah, if your goal is to look like film or look like network broadcast TV, not only aren't you probably going to meet that goal, even as a at-home online creator and, and video pro, but you're not necessarily helping yourself anyway because while you need to maybe be ahead of the potential client or business, you also want to have an element of your work as you could do this too or something like it, let me teach it to you. I don't think you could teach me how to do uh, a, a big budget movie from home. But you probably could teach me how to edit transitions into my video so it looks smoother on YouTube. And maybe I won't use as complicated a software as you use, but you can tell me how sometimes you use iMovie or sometimes you use another uh, lower cost option. And that's kind of what I try and do with my shows uh, is I say, like, look at the graphics I'm doing. Look at the way I change shots. You can do that, too. These are the tools that you can use, and I can show you how to do it, or you can probably learn it just from uh, watching XYZ's video and explains exactly how to do it. So it reminds me of a joke, okay? The two guys are walking, uh, hiking in the woods, right? And they come to, and they, they encounter a huge bear, and, are, are, and, and they're both afraid for their lives. And one starts running, and the other guy says, what's the use in running? You're never going to outrun the bear. And the guy running looks back and says, I don't have to outrun the bear. I just have to outrun you. Exactly. And, and so you don't have to be TV. You don't have to be a movie. You have to be a little bit ahead of where the average user of a video, the average creator is so that then you have something you can offer them. And that's why I'm stepping up now to the, the a 6,400 going with a, a Sony mirrorless camera versus a webcam. Uh, at first it was okay to use the built-in camera on my computer. Then, you know, my look stepped up when I went to an external webcam, but ultimately now that everybody's getting an external webcam, <laughs> How do I stand out when everybody's video is at a certain level because the quality and the internet connection and everything has, for the most part, gotten better? We may be in a dip now, but how do I stand out? Okay, I'm going to have a little better video quality or maybe a lot better video quality as I learn how to use the camera and learn how to upgrade the visual aspect because that may be what somebody that I'm working with now will expect if they're paying a professional to come in and help them create video. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, one other aspect, we talk about how, you know, creators can now in this environment take it, well, not take advantage, but, you know, do more with what they're doing. And I talk about upping your game and tuning up your game and helping others. The other thing I wish, I hope people do now, and I know I'm trying to do it, and I see you do it as well because you've upped your game with the A6400. Is we need to, I need to see more me. I need to see more experimenting. You know, I come from t traditional television where, and I'm talking about 30 years ago when there was no digital, things right. were tape. And you basically had to figure out exactly what your video was going to do and look like before you ever hired a crew, before you ever got in the edit suite, because it was just so expensive. 
and labor intensive to change your mind. It was really hard. You know, we did things called paper edits back in the day. So you would basically, we'd go out and shoot, you'd get viewing copies of the tapes and you'd sit down with the time code. The time code is kind of like a time indexing system on video. And you would go through the time code and you would list your shots that you're going to use in the edit by the time code. And so that was a paper edit. You sit there on the script and you mark those shots down using the time codes. So you can imagine doing that in a half hour, hour show. And then your producer or executive producer would look over your paper edit and approve it before you would ever go into the edit suite because it was so, these were million dollar edit suites and you know, you're burning $1,200 a minute. I mean, it was just crazy. Right. So you had to know now fast forward to now where you can create 4k video on your phone. You could broadcast to the world on your phone. You can change your mind easily. It doesn't cost you anything. And so, but yet people kind of, they get into a rut of doing the same thing. And that's fine if, you know, your, your consistency is good. And if you're doing something quality, that's excellent. But, you know, we can be doing much more in terms of experimenting with the medium, with mm. live streaming, with on-demand video. And so when I see, you know, you've got the A6400, now you have, you have the, the space to do different things to play around with what you're doing in your content. Start doing stuff with graphics more. You can change the shot now. Mm. You, you just have flexibility so you're able to play a little bit more. And I think we all need to do more of that, is to experiment with the medium to kind of innovate online video. Because that's what I loved about this medium when I jumped into it 20 some odd years ago, was hey, here's an opportunity to play and experiment, it's not going to cost me thousands of dollars or my job. <laughs> right. So, um, this is this is the time now, particularly, to start doing more of that. Start playing with the medium more, taking chances, not being afraid to quote unquote fail, and just we can all sort of bring the medium up, develop it, and innovate it some more. So it's actually very much, it's very different from traditional media because right now we're kind of doing television on the internet right, right, or radio on the internet. It's like what television was when it started. It was theater right. on TV mm -hmm. and we just do what we know. So I think this is an opportunity for us to, to experiment some more. And I think as people experiment, there's a value in actually working that experimentation into a production or into a show you see a lot of people get on and they get a new piece of gear or they hear about a new software program or a new uh, live streaming app or something. And they get on and like, hey, look at all the cool stuff you can do. And then either they never go back and use it or they go back to it and do the same thing they were doing before, but just with a different look or a, a different set of graphics or options or what have you. But what really moves the the needle, so to speak, is actually taking something new and integrating it into a production and then standing back in and comparing it and saying, did that make things better? Is that a better experience for the user? Was it a quicker time to market for me? What was the advantage of that? And is it something that I, I should keep? Because it's amazing how once you find something different that makes something better, then that becomes 
a consistent part of your... You never go back to doing it the old way when you find a better way to do something. But you're never really going to know unless you actually try it in a show and look back at the show or that produced video that you put up on YouTube and, and, and say... Okay, a couple days later, how was that? Do I like that? Do I want to continue with that? What kind of response, if any, did I get from that? And uh, wow, we got through a lot of topics today. We we uh, we didn't leave anything on the table. I don't think, Michael. I'm just getting started, Ross. You're just getting warmed up. Let's do another couple hours, or uh, well, we'll save something for next week's yeah, we episode. Perhaps there's so much going on with video. As always, it's it's great chatting with you. Oh, always a pleasure. We have lots to talk about. And, you know, I love uh, this this podcast because it's kind of it's again, when I talk about the medium and evolving the medium, this is kind of conversation between the two of us that these lucky listeners (laughs) (laughs) get to to listen to uh, as well. But, you know, as always, it's always a pleasure, Ross. I'm always learning stuff from you. And it's always uh, it's exciting. Same here, and uh, it's great that people can have a chance to listen into what we would be talking about with each other in our, you know, weekly uh, Zoom call, Skype call, <laughs> StreamYard uh, meeting. And now uh, we think it, it is of interest to other video creators. So uh, let us know: Is this what you like? What would you like to hear from us? <laughs> Catch us next time on Inside Video. Take care, everybody. Take care.